Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number nine. We can't believe we're nearly like up to 10 episodes. It's crazy. First 10 for our avid listeners who tune in every couple of weeks yeah. and give us feedback and have stayed tuned so far. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, also, exciting news. We have a, a, a sponsor now, and that's just massive news that we should probably bring up in this episode. Exactly. Thank you, Design and Build, for believing in what it is that we want to share with, with everybody and seeing that this is something that they could back. Yeah. Thank you so much for your support. And yeah, we're excited for the new journey that we are starting. So in today's episode, we're talking about something really important and sometimes pretty underestimated at the companies and in our last episode we were interviewing erica gomez if you haven't heard that episode go quickly and listen to it and then come back because <laughs> <laughs> it is worth it she's so good no but really because erica mentions the following male and females are brought up differently and in female environments we get this sisterhood and and this friendship that usually doesn't happen as naturally with men. It can, but it doesn't happen as naturally with men. And I think that's the major problem in universities and also in the workplace is that we as women, we crave a kind of different interaction usually with our peers. And the problem with craving that different kind of interaction is that when you don't have it, it feels like a, a little bit of a hostile environment. But it is not hostile. It's just that men interact with each other in a different way. And I think when that interaction is also with you, when it's a little bit more distant, sometimes females don't feel as welcome into the environment. And I think that's why these conversations are so important to also have a male audience. We feel like we belong to a company and we want to feel that we have a connection with our colleagues, even though that we're not friends with them, we don't have to. Uh, but we do want to feel that we we have an affinity with each other in order yeah. for work to be more enjoyable, you know? And given that like 75% of the workplace is going to be the, the, the opposite gender, you don't want to mistake something that is a, like a simple thing as a difference in communication to, to end up making like a, a, a bad workplace culture. Yeah, exactly right. So it's good to identify that and, and be able to integrate it for both parties. You know, it's not just about um, learning how they speak. It's also about them. There's no them and us. Sorry. My bad. It's not just about learning how um, other people in the team speak, what, you know, everyone in your team understanding what you need and then being able to accommodate that from time to time. Yeah, it's like work workplace culture and this episode in particular, we want to sort of like focus on how to speak everyone's language at work sort of thing mm. and how to also identify when a culture at a workplace suits your needs. Yeah. If you're a young professional looking for a job. Like what makes a good place, a good place to work at. That's pretty much where we're heading in this episode. And again, this is based purely in our experiences and what we have learned throughout um, the few years that we have been in the industry. And if you guys have any comments to add, we would love to hear from you. And yeah, we can continue to discuss this um, further. But without further ado, what is Workplace culture, so <laughs> Yeah, because this all sounds like, you know, pretty high level. But if we want to understand workplace culture, I think this is something that, you know, fundamentally any person can um, relate to, even if they don't have the exact definition. Um, if we bring it in our own terms, any person can relate to what workplace culture is because what 
what separates any two workplaces and makes them unique is their culture in the same way as what separates two individuals is their values that they live by. Yeah. So that being said, if that wasn't completely convoluted, uh, workplace culture is the overall character of the business and it's unique to each organization, even though if you read company culture statements, most of them end up looking quite similar. Um, a lot of times what happens is that, yeah, that looks like a good thing on paper, but what ends up being practiced is rather quite different, which is similar to people. If you speak to people and they, they end up talking about having a very similar set of values, you know, like um, integrity or personal commitment to health and family and, you know, a, a decent wage. Um, but practice wise, things can differ a little bit. So to get into it, company culture is their business values, beliefs, behaviors, goals, attitudes, and actual workplace practices. Yeah. Yeah. So basically culture is a word describes the way people behave within an organization and the beliefs they the beliefs reflect those behaviors. Okay, so why is workplace culture so important and why are we dedicating a whole 45 minutes? No, I'm kidding. I have no idea how this is going to go for. So it is important because, okay, first things first, people matter. And who works at organizations? People. We're all people. And as Sohan said, we all have beliefs, we all have values, and we all behave differently. So we do matter. And we bring a huge value to an organization. In fact, we are pretty much the reason why the organization works in the first place. So it's really bloody important. Oh, how Australian did I sound? Amazing. So <laughs> the workplace culture has actually an impact on organizational health and business success. So if there is a positive culture, people are highly engaged and give better service to the clients and the customers, or they bring more work in, or they even tend to be more creative or have like, you know, just a better... Um, yeah, they just feel like they are in an environment where they can thrive. And if they thrive, the organization thrives. Yay! So that's the reason why it's so important. <laughs> I had three pieces of chocolate, guys. So I'm really, really excited about this. And yeah, anyway, so I feel like it's also very important because when a place has an excellent culture, it can attract talent, it drives engagement, and obviously, it impacts the employee satisfaction. And this affects the performance. Do you want more reasons why it's so important? <laughs> and it's the personality of the business. So, you know, like with different people, it's their personality that makes you get along with them, essentially. So if if the workplace culture is the workplace personality, then naturally it's it's in it. A, it's influenced by, you know, it, it's a machine and every cog in the machine is what influences it. Mm. So a good way to figure <clears> out where the culture is set from, it it's set from the leadership, the management, uh, workplace practices, policies, people, um, they all play a part. Yeah, but essentially once you figure out that culture you're and you assuming you have a pretty good idea about your own personality, culture, what aligns with you, what makes you tick, then you're able to figure out whether or not a workplace works for you. Exactly. Workplace works for you. It's funny, funny, but it is true. Whether it aligns and meets your needs as a as a person, yeah. So you have heard of people that have stayed at like a a place for like ten years, twenty years. They have pretty much grown with the company, and they have been able to see the changes from like when they started to where they are now. But you also can see people that start at a company and stay there for five months. 
that doesn't necessarily mean anything to do with anyone's talent. And I don't feel like uh, it's anyone's fault. It's just that some things work for some people and some works for other people. And I want to share like a really cute story. And I can't remember for the life of me where I read this. I think it was in the book Dare to Lead by Brene Brown, but I could be wrong. And I think it's about IBM. Again, don't quote me, but my memory, you know, it's not the best at times when I need it the most. Murphy's Law, everybody, I'm sure you can relate. But it was a story that really stuck with me about how positive work culture permeates the whole organization from top to bottom, bottom to top. Everybody can align with it. So as the story goes, it was after hours and there was a client that called up about some meeting or some information that they needed about some very specific, you know, topics that perhaps, you know, only customer service or a a, a very technically like knowledgeable person would be able to point them to. And so they call after hours hoping to get some information and someone picks up a first of all, that's a big positive. And uh, secondly, that person was able to listen to their query and then say, I'm going to call whoever is like going to give me that information and I'll get right back to you. So really well handled customer service. So at the end of it, the client was like, oh, you know, um, your company is great. Like you, you work so late, you know, keep taking care of your clients. And the response they got on the phone was, yeah, I'm the janitor, so I should be working late. <laughs> you know, this is like normal working hours for me. And the like the client was like completely shocked that, you know, the janitor would go to that much detail and have that much understanding about the organization to be able to help someone, you know, with very technical information. And um, they asked, like, you know, how does this, wh- why, like, this is so different. Why does this happen? And they're like, this is the company's values and the culture where everyone lives and breeds the value about excellent service. And yeah, and that's something like companies want to strive for. But if they don't have the right culture, you usually end up getting even very technically superior or technically, you know, knowledgeable people saying, I don't give it, like, I don't really care because this company doesn't do much for me. So, yeah, yeah exactly. Just... You don't want to just be working for someone that considers you a number, mm. because we lose this the whole sense of humanity when when that yeah. happens, and we we lose a lot of empathy. So, mm. obviously, one of our needs as human beings is to be understood and to feel like we belong to a community. So, by yes, one hundred percent by sensing all of these things at work, then we we feel like we contribute we feel valued and we we are more stimulated you know like to go to work mm-hmm. 100% and um, yeah because people are tribal people at the end of the day we're looking for a tribe and my favorite podcast I'm going to mention it again Steven? <laughs> yeah pretty much we, you fans, we, we are your number one fans Stephen if you ever listen to this please note that yeah, he was talking um, to the founder of Derm- Dermalogica and she talked about how, you know, it was a very innovative space they were in. But w- the reason why it worked for her and made her company, you know, in the multi- multi-billion dollar company that it is today is because they noticed one thing in the in the beauty industry was that everyone was very segregated because you work in, in a small little room where you see clients every day, then the more booked you are the less you have time to interact with other professionals in your Mm. field. Mm. And that's what made it a very, like, you know, disconnected society. So the first thing they did was it didn't matter, 
like what events were on, but they tried to get all the professionals to turn up in the same location, talk with each other, interact with each other and become a tribe. And that was literally the main feedback that they got. We feel like a family. We feel like we belong somewhere. And that skyrocketed their, you know, their business because people want a place to belong. And again, uh, it's it's easy to confuse workplace culture and allow them like you probably have some stuff to add here um, because a lot of times when we look at a company we look at what they have to offer and we think that is their culture yeah. and what I mean by is that's like material benefits that you get from them like well uh, if they pay like you know half of your gym memberships like I, some companies do or if they um, provide a certain type of leave or you know yeah if they c- take care of you in a material way sort of like the financial incentives that they give us like for example I don't know, you, by joining this company, you get pay like you are part of the shares program or whatever mm. it is. If it's, uh, or you if, can if work it's from a, wherever you want or that kind of thing, you know? Or like you have where they live or all these things, you know? You like all these yeah. benefits that you're offered that are also like um, pretty attractive when considering an offer because they also add up to your salary package. So yeah, it can often be confused with incentives or material benefits. Uh, and even though that's really attractive, as we said, and really nice, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to help you get along with your colleagues. <laughs> yeah, that's not the culture. That's just HR. I don't want to say tricks, but like, you know, incentives to have retention at well, the end of the day. It is, it is a financial or like, you know, it's a financial incentive, but it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean like, yeah, they appreciate how hard you're working. Don't get me wrong. Like, and we they do understand that. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they are understanding the way you feel when you go to work. And I feel like there is yeah. a very different, you know, there, there's a big line separating these two things. Yes, you recognize how I work and thank you so much for, not thank you so much, I deserve this because I'm working really hard. Like I, I deserve a good pay. You know what I mean? Like people deserve this is good the attitude pay. coming out. And <laughs> yeah, because we shouldn't really think. Okay, so it is a big line separating. Obviously, how organizations reward their employees with financial sort of like perks, and also mm. with it's like okay, this is probably a crazy example to bring up, but and maybe it's a wrong analogy. I don't know, but this is exactly what I'm thinking about right now. You know that we have different parenting styles again, and you know we have different love languages in relationships. And you know how some people's love language is to give things to another, like financial mm-hmm. stuff and like re- receive presents and stuff like that. That's just one way of showing someone how much you care for them. But then there's other things like I don't know, like quality time or like being heard or like words of affirmation or or like spending time with you. You know, all of those things make you feel like you're, you are loved, you're appreciated and, and all, those, all those things in a relationship matter. It's just exactly the same at the workplace. It's exactly the same. You need a good salary, but you also need to feel like you have a relationship with your colleagues. And I'm not saying that you should call them family or friends, but at least that you feel safe to go to work and you don't feel uncomfortable by what people are doing or saying about you. You want to feel appreciated and you want to feel safe. I feel safe is like a safe word to say. Haha. <laughs> and what we mean by safe is if you have an idea, you feel comfortable to voice it. 
if you have a, a a comment about you know some a way someone worked or something that could benefit the team you don't feel scared to mention it to anyone you don't feel like oh this you know it, it won't be taken well just like you were saying like in a relationship you feel heard that's pretty much it you feel um like this is a place where you can share ideas where you can share growth and you can share feedback feedback's an important one yeah. you don't feel like feedback will be taken explosively yeah. You know, that's a big part of the culture. And if if it's a it's if it's a safe culture and it's and it's a culture dedicated to innovation and um openness, then yeah, you'll feel these things. But if it's a culture that strives for, you know, reducing costs or, you know, quickening timelines, then no, they're not really gonna be that interested. And you might they might just be like, you know, get the work done, we need it done quickly, quickly, quickly. So yeah. Exactly. And yeah. just like there are different people and there are different like types of relationships, there are different workplace cultures. And perhaps that type of culture of like, you know, like a, a more fast paced environment can work for some people. And some people would thrive, like, don't get me wrong, like, well done to all of them. But there's other people that don't really vibe with that. And that's okay because that's diversity at the end. Yeah, so, that is diversity. You know, there's people who are looking for for growth in a in a in a scalable way, in a business success way, in a way in a monetary way. And there's people who just want to create. Yeah. And want to create something innovative, or there's people that just want to, to impact um, communities the right way. And oh, I'm so happy for this friend of mine, and I'm I'm sure we'll have her on the podcast sometime later. Uh, recently, she was she left our organization, and that's not to say our, this organization does not focus on the same thing, but she left it for a company that is solely focused on you know international development. And if anyone interacted with it, her, they'd know that that is you know she lives and breathes that. So to be able to find a company culture that is perfectly in alignment with that more power to her because that gets her in alignment with her journey in well life. it fulfills it you know and i feel like exactly. that's exactly what people mean when they say like i have found my dream job like a big element in that dream job is not only the duties and tasks that you have to do daily but also the environment that they allow you to you know expand your knowledge and your experience as a professional it's very important and fulfills your dreams because yeah. it's a dream job because it's fulfilling your dreams oh my gosh wow a loop so these are some of the benefits of positive workplace culture and obviously the disadvantages of working in a place where you talk you, you have a toxic culture would be you know like feeling unmotivated feeling like going to work is something that obviously look don't get me wrong even if you love what you're doing you're going to have ups mm -hmm. and downs because it's completely normal. We have spoken about this in our podcast. Contrast makes life life. It's, it's, it's like we have the good and we have the bad. But if you're constantly like thinking about work as a burden, as like a place you don't want to go to because of how bad you feel there, that's a red flag. And we don't want to like work there. And, and it's important for you to notice because so I was listening to these, um, my mom actually sent me this when I was going through uh, a difficult time at the beginning of the year. She sent me this video that was talking about relationships again, because, you know, like relationships um, are a big important part of our life as human beings. And I don't just mean romantic relationships. So she sends me this video that says that you have to understand somehow in our belief system, we have been conditioned to believe that we have to, you know, just 
maybe deliver or, or just perform the best we can always because we're getting picked. You know, someone is choosing us. But it's very empowering when you're told that you can choose as well. And if you can choose an organization that aligns truly with those values and you know that you, you, you pretty much know what you can bring to an organization, then you're going to be able to make those decisions. But if you're constantly in that state of fear and thinking like, okay, this because that, work, that toxic work culture is feeding that belief to you, then you're going to feel like limited and you're going to feel like, oh, that's all I can get. And maybe this is what, this is all what like that I deserve. But not really. It's just that it's such a like a toxic environment that you cannot spread your roots as a plant and thrive and live. So it's really important to identify when a toxic culture is not bringing the best out of you. And the reason why this is important, if you're not able to spread your wings and you feel stressed out and, you know, things are not really going your way, well, we could probably go into this in more detail if anyone ever wants a whole episode on stress, let us know and the bad, you know, impact stress can have on your health and well-being. But what I was reading today, and the only reason I want to mention it, is that there is a fact uh, by Georgetown University, I think they did a study, is that your IQ can decrease by as much as 13% when you're stressed. Literally. Like, you know, there is long-term effects of stress that go beyond that, but it can literally decrease IQ. Yeah. So I think um, that my understanding is if a company is striving for innovation and striving for brilliant minds, if they don't have good culture, they could literally, well, be dumbing down the minds there. And if we want to go into more of a neuroscience sort of like explanation to this is because stressful situations make us not feel in that equilibrium, like we are not in a state of homeostasis. So when you are focused on, you know, when you are in that flight or fight sort of like mode, you can't really deliver or focus on other things like working or like completing these tasks because you're constantly worried about whether you're going to live or die in your survival instinct that you have as a as an animal you know so if a person has been put in a situation that leads them to that point of stress then they are not going to perform they are not going to do well because obviously they are caring about whether they are going to make it out of, of, of that situation alive or not and i know it sounds dramatic when i'm describing it this way but sometimes, well, that's how the body reacts yeah exactly and, and you cannot focus on finishing an Excel spreadsheet or finishing, finishing a document if you feel like your life is like threatened. Your body produces cortisol in the same way that it would in a, you know, in a fight or flight environment. It, it, it affects the cognitive behavior. It affects your memory and affects all of that in the exact same behavior. So that's, that's our neuroscience fact of the day. <laughs> but pretty much uh, what we would like to get into is how do you find a company that fits your needs and how do you identify if the culture is, you know, working for you or not? Exactly. And I just wanted to say that that was really important for people that are young and listening to us and are like finishing the university courses and don't really feel like, how would I be able to notice these things if I have never been part of an organization before? So, mm. Sohan has the best questions that you should ask <laughs> yourself at this time. Uh, so the first one we are going to talk about mm -hmm. is, do you feel like you thrive in a collaborative environment or do you feel like you're working in a competitive work environment? So again, self-awareness is key for anything, as we have previously mentioned. Okay, yeah. How do you feel things are working around you? Do you feel like the team is collaborative? They share learnings? Um, you're able to learn from each other, bounce off ideas? Or do you feel like you have to work really hard because if someone else in the team works harder than you, they get promoted and they 
get pushed up and and you'll just get ignored yeah pretty much so if you feel like you're always under that stress uh, something might be wrong with the culture yeah so another (laughs) question that is really important to ask yourself when choosing this or when applying for a job is whether you prefer the structured work day or flexibility in setting your hours. There's some organizations, I know, 21st century, and we still have some organizations that are pretty rigid. And that works, as we said, for some people. For others, others like, you know, working uh, from nine until four, or like like some people in America, or even here in Australia, I don't know, uh, don't quote me. But some organizations work four days a week and they have like a three-day uh, three weekend and that works for them. Yeah, they were trialing that in Europe, I'm pretty sure, recently. Yes, but things like these are really important because, for example, if you have commitments or if, like, for example, if you are an engineer full-time but you or like part-time but you also are an athlete or you also have your side hustle or you also have children, whatever it is that you do, if you want flexibility, then ask yourself that question if that company is going to provide you that flexibility um the third thing that we were reading about that is important about workplace culture is uh do you want more independence in your work environment or do you prefer like more hands-on leadership and of course this depends leader to leader so it's definitely not a company-wide thing um, but it's just important to know in your team if you feel like you need more independence but you're not getting it um and this also depends on the level of your experience, I guess. Like if you're a grad that just finished university, perhaps that won't be applicable because you just finished your degree and you want to obviously be guided by someone that has a set like a level of experience. So perhaps um that yeah, that is applicable depending on your experience in the industry. Yeah. But if you're a senior and, and a senior above you is like constantly trying to like question you about what you're doing when you're going to have it done by uh kind of weird to be honest it's interesting (laughs) because sometimes i feel like when people do that um it's in like it's it's a lot it's like a lot of projection on of their own fears if that makes sense or not own fears but you know their stuff so it's Mm. um it's important to bring it up 100 percent. projection another very important topic yeah oh my god (laughs) Another one, and very, very, very important, as we were talking, is do you enjoy talking through ideas with colleagues or working individually? So personally, I love working in a team, and I feel like I I really enjoy that because as a side of, like, I'm going to say personality trait, but I, I think I just always being a very, like, extrovert person, and I love talking and socializing. And even though I do need my alone time to work and to actually finish stuff, um, it's like I really enjoy working in a team but there are other people that are not really into that and it's something that they should consider because if this social butterfly is going to be overwhelming them they're going to probably feel like a little bit you know just oh oh my god this is really not my place like I feel like oh it's too much for me in a sense like I'm all for going to a place where you don't feel comfortable so you grow but also don't put yourself in a very awful situation in which you're not going to be able to cope with. And again, like you're going to feel super stressed and not going to be able to deliver things that are very important. Um, mm. So side note. <laughs> um, also, there is then, do you like working on a variety of different projects or focusing on a specific area? 
And that is definitely something that varies, you know, company to company, but industry to industry and, you know, just depends on the work in the area. But there are different companies that are more receptive to you having one idea and you focus on that. Oh, and yeah. it does depend on your skill level as well, to be honest. Like, for example, um, so... the girl you were talking about that was working for an engineering firm, but then the company she chose to change was more focused on what she wanted to do. That's a good point. Yeah. So it, it just, it depends what you're looking for, to be honest. Like if you, there's some companies that are perfectly happy for you to go off and do a research uh, project in a specific area, you know, and that's definitely focusing on one thing, but there's other companies that will just be like, oh no, but what about the projects? We need X, Y, and Z done. We can't, you know, afford to have you focusing on some side thing. So yeah, it's just a difference hmm. in cultures, I guess. Yeah. So another one that is very important is, Will this organization be able to help me or help you with uniting goals? And I feel like these, I can actually, I can relate to this one personally because um, one of my long-term goals is to be a civil engineer, is to finish the bachelor in engineering. And that's like a key thing for me when looking for a job or when joining a company. I'm very open about that goal. And I tell them that they're, in order for me to, come, like, to, to achieve that, I might need like some extra support from them like flexible working arrangements or or things like that that are going to be able to help me finish that um that long-term goal that i have and it really helps when obviously it, it has to do with what you're doing at work already like i'm improving my professional i guess uh i'm expanding my professional experience in this the same field but if you have like all the goals, like for example, you're working in a department and then you want to change to a different one, it's important to voice you, you needs and see whether they can make it happen for you in the organization. And if they can't, maybe that's the reason, like that's, that's for you to consider whether you should stay or should go or what you should do. Exactly, exactly. Love it. One thing I was looking at when we were looking at this topic is why does this matter for uh you know stem and women in stem and because we are women in stem and we talk about them and that's pretty much what we are about um i was looking at company culture and how this has affected well we have something in the industry that's called a leaky pipeline for women in the industry and unfortunately yeah. it is much higher than a lot of other industries out there and just for some research purposes to back this up, there was a, well, is, not was, there was some research done. It was a comparison of women's retention in STEM and professional occupations. And it is published by the National Library of Medicine, but I'm pretty sure it goes well above and beyond that. So essentially what the research was looking at, they, they found that about 50% of women who originally worked in STEM end up exiting the um, that industry and, and enter a different field. Okay, 50%, that's half in an industry where females are already <laughs> very little, you know. And, uh, and if they look at other different professions, that's only about 20% that that happens. So it's not that they just leave the industry and then they leave the workforce. No, that's not what it means. It's literally they leave that industry and then they go to a different profession. Yeah, they completely change careers. Like, for example, you hear yeah. people that used to be an engineer and now, are, I don't know, in the health and fitness industry, in like yeah. fashion design or something like that. It's not that they change the role. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that they're finding doesn't have to do with the, you know, the biological differences in males and females or their persistence. It is that the reason of their dissatisfaction is is 
um, basically things that you can attribute to to culture and perception. Exactly. So it comes down to you know not being heard when they uh, express you know dissatisfaction, or not being looked at for promotions, or not being looked at for salary raises, things like that, where they just feel like they've hit a ceiling and they just can't freaking get above. And yeah, or sense. like for for example, the gender stereotypes that we have that are brought mm. up in like in in conversations, like or or even like the the gender roles that we that we tend to, you know, we we tend to have in our mind. Unfortunately, there's a big bias with gender roles, and we we we're starting to make progress in in the sense of like re like challenging those, you know, gender roles, but it's really hard still for a lot of people they they still make comments or there's still like a judgment there and that just makes people feel uncomfortable and people feel like they don't really belong there or they don't feel represented and that leads them to just you know just look for an exit door yeah and um so because like there's already like a lack of um you know, volume in of women in STEM fields, especially at higher levels when you get up to like seniors or, you know, partners and that sort of thing. Um, women entering STEM occupations are already vulnerable to the ideologies of very gender conservative sort of men. Um, and, you know, it's some research done, you know, in 2011 have shown that a belief about the performance of women actually has a very strong effect on the evaluation of their actual performance. Uh, and that's if you hold like um, their objective performance constant. Oh, yeah, it's a bias. 100%. So that is another thing that affects, you know, these women who who that's why they're reaching these glass ceilings. And they're not looking, you know, they're not being able to get ahead is because like there is all these biases in regard to how they're doing as opposed to how they might actually be doing and that's again comes down to again bias but also company culture and being able to voice things being able to speak openly being Mm. able to point out what's happening wrong and i feel like it's really important if like obviously this would be ideal if you were at work and people that had those biases were challenged by others and then they were willing to Mm. talk about it you know you know just like I guess if they felt safe enough to just open up about why they think the way they think so others can, you know, learn, but also they, these people that have the biases can learn from these open-minded people and be like, oh, should I, is this like really inclusive, this way of looking at life or isn't, or it isn't, you know what I mean? Like it would be so good if you could. Yeah, and I literally, like, whenever we talk about this, I keep coming back to that senior at um, the company uh, that we had heard speaking, who had said when they were looking at, you know, they were sitting on panels and they were looking at, you know, females coming in, and he would just be like, you know, oh, have you considered this candidate? And she was like, you know, the female candidate, Mm. and the males around them said, oh, we didn't even consider her. Mm. And I think in one of the episodes that we had, again, with Luisa Panuccio, episode number six, if you haven't heard it, go and listen to it because she is a weapon and she's in construction, which is completely different from where we are at, I guess, because we work in an office environment. Um, but she faces a lot of challenges in like how women are perceived in that industry. And there's a lot of things that have been normalized. And it's very important to have a good work culture on site. But so. there's different parts of that culture that um, 
I think what you're trying to say have been normalized maybe because of a lack of you know external influence and by mm. external I mean an opposite gender or or different types of leaders you know there's a tip, different type of language that gets you know uh, normalized there's a different type of behavior there's a different type of mindset that just becomes the, the norm over there mm. and if we don't address it through I believe it would probably be a more top-down movement than a bottom-up movement you know like the leader saying that that's not okay or you know people um, higher up trying mm. to change that perception then uh, obviously like people on the grassroots level should also be calling it out but it is almost a cultural shift so it ends up being like those sort of like you know whether it's derogatory statements or just ex like exclusion or simple things like and this is not Louisa this is another friend of mine who goes on site and she talked about how she was the senior between her and a male guy there and um, <laughs> um, automatically all the questions that were coming were like deferred to the male even though he was like knew he had no idea what was going on <laughs> but they just thought he was like the the, the leader because yeah. well, he was male it's like, it's, it's like we are biased because every time that and we have spoken about this before but perhaps I don't know but it's like our brain goes like the default of our brain is in anything that we see, if, if we see the word competence, it's like, if the word male. competence was an image, it would be a white male. Mm. Literally, I'm still prey to that. And I will be honest, like I was talking to a colleague, a friend, not a colleague, a friend the other day. And all the only words they said was their boss was, you know, uh, really receptive or their boss was really good at giving feedback. And my first question was, oh, yeah, how does he give you good feedback? And he's like, well, she, <laughs> holy shit. Wow. How did I just immediately imagine male? Yeah, and yeah. I feel like this. I think we really need to do the bias episode. I think we would benefit so yeah. much from it. Yeah, yeah. We talked. We, anyway. we had a post about this. We talked about our brilliance bias. That's pretty much it. Anyway, so <laughs> a lot of the reasons to why women leave, uh, you know, our industry or like industries that are male dominated, are not just because of our difference in interests or a difference in like competent competency or you know how good how, how many degrees we have a lot of it is because the work culture again doesn't allow us to thrive why because there's so many biases that we have and it's sad to witness but we are all victims of it but again it's not unconscious until you know and you actually you know like make it conscious so make sure your conscious biases are also like addressed. And if we can come full circle with this, uh, we talked about how Erica Gomez at the start said that there's fundamental ways in which males and females react differently or engage very differently in, in a workplace or in a social setting. And for example, if I can say like, you know, as women, um, we tend to want to be more humane. In an approach, we it, when we interact with people, we want to know how they're doing. How have they been? How are they happy? Are they sad? What's been happening in their life? You know, a simple question like, how's your day been? And if that small level of interaction is not there, and it usually isn't, not not from my understanding and not from the, the conversations I've had with males, um, the, it's very normal for them to just engage straight in business and then just like, you know, make a few jokes, but they, they just get straight to it. It's not as normal for them to want to be that connected so unfortunately what happens is if that conversation is not there if that interaction is not there then the, the environment ends up feeling very hostile to women mm. not very but it can end up feeling excluded or you can end up feeling like you know you're 
like you're missing a fundamental connection with your workers and yeah that's not a great environment to be in yeah. it's either a simple matter of you engaging in that not really it's not small talk I don't think it's small talk it's it's a deeper connection level you know and uh, it's connecting on a humane level it's connecting on an emotional level with the people you work with so that you can maintain trust and engagement Mm. So it sometimes I'd say it goes both ways. I think it definitely the onus is on both parties where, you know, females can engage in that or they can voice not feeling that. But it's also males just coming up and just, you know, saying, how are you going? How's your day been? And then getting into to business. Into business. Mm. Mm. Yeah, 100%. And I feel like that's even like important from like a, a human, like a human aspect of things. Like sometimes, as we said, like, no one is actually re gonna remember you because you were like really good at making deals or like how many numbers how much money you brought to a company people are gonna remember skills like oh that person was really kind they always ask me about my day or oh that guy like i remember when my dad passed away most of the stuff that people like remember from him when because he was a pharmaceutical salesperson and i bet you that all the doctors that he worked with didn't really or like the organization that worked with him no one probably remember how much money he brought to the company they all talk about the good attributes like you know the the how social he was how funny he was people don't remember those material things people remember those things that you know uh that 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 make you hard shine or like that make you yeah. your day be a good day so it's i feel like it's 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 really important and sometimes it's underestimated yeah without getting too morbid like if you imagine a eulogy no one's ever going to be like oh this person brought one million dollars in sales to the company no i'm sure that was great for the company but that's not something that's going to be remembered they're going to be like this person you know always brought a laugh uh to people who they they spoke to or they cared about the little details you know they cared about whether someone was happy or they engaged with the janitor as well as the ceo like those it's it's those little details that we end up saying make a person great and it's the same little details that make a company a great company i have heard of so many companies that are unfortunately recognized or yeah well known because of the unethical way of treating people like big companies that you hear that don't pay a fair wage or that oh, abuse yeah. their employees exploitation so yes exploitation so do you as a as an organization or as a person do you want to be like you know related to that those are things and questions that you have to ask yourself every day I was going to say that is everything that we I have to say on the topic. Yeah, that's pretty much everything we have to say. And anyway, guys, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. And thank you so much for listening to our take on workplace culture. Yeah, and if, you, if it got you thinking a little bit, that's our job done. But if you have any thoughts on it and you'd like to share, agreeing or disagreeing, we're always very happy to hear about it. Yeah, challenge us. <laughs> yes, I challenge you to challenge us. I like that. Maybe that will be the, the quote we'll put up for this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Bye.